I'm Alan Kogan. Join me as I tour the country tasting different whiskeys and discussing the craft of distillation with local distillers, whiskey lovers, and even those who are new to the culture of spirits. Welcome to The Kogan Conversation. In this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Derek Anderson, the owner of the Macmillan Whiskey Room, located in the Mosaic District of Fairfax, Virginia. This is a favorite spot of mine, and Derek has an impressive collection of spirits. Do me a favor, and if you aren't already, follow us on social media and ring the notification bell on your favorite listening platform so you never miss a new episode. And if you like this episode and others we've done, I'd appreciate a review on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps get the word out and helps to showcase these small businesses in the spirits industry. Now let's get to the show. Cheers. All right, well, Derek, I'm here in the Macmillan Whiskey Room with you, and I know you're the owner of this place. I've been coming here a long time with my wife. Her and I live up the street, and this has been a go-to place. I bring friends here, family here who come visit us. It's my go-to for trying different whiskeys, and I know you've got much more than whiskey. Lots of great food, lots of other spirits, cocktails. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about how you got into this business. Well, first, thanks for coming, and I'm glad you and your wife uh, enjoy it. Uh, I co-own this with my wife as well, so it is definitely a family affair. Um, how we both really got into this world, um, was really when the whiskey craze really started to hit down in DC. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I are both attorneys down working down in DC. So when places like Jack Rose and black whiskey and, uh, some of those places opened Mm -hmm. was when we were in the city a lot and, we're at a stage where we didn't want to just go to, um, you know, the normal bars. These are kind of the up and coming bars, the nicer, more kind of adult scenes. And we both loved whiskeys, especially scotch. So we got into that scene as it was developing in the area um, and really started to see for the first time the range of spirits and expressions that were out there yeah uh we're both primarily scotch drinkers uh we drink other things as well actually my first the first real whiskey you know i say real whiskey like growing up like not just a jack and coke (laughs) i love jack and coke but um first time i went to a bar and just asked for a neat whiskey it was actually a high west rendezvous oh wow black whiskey on 14th street so there with a friend of mine and was not particularly familiar with American whiskeys at the time and not even that much scotch at the time. Uh, but we're at Black Whiskey. I'm like, well, I should have a whiskey. So I asked the bartender, you know, and it's funny. I asked the bartender for a bourbon and he gave me a High West Rendezvous, which as many people know is not a bourbon by any, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But it was a fortunate uh, either mistake or he was making fun of me, whatever. Um, so I really liked it. Uh, I had never had a rye like that before. Uh, really enjoyed it. And was like, oh, this isn't, you know, what I expect from a whiskey. This is something unique. And they had several others behind it. So I'm like, this is something I need to explore. Yeah. Um, and that was, what, 10, 12 years ago about okay. when when those bars were starting to hit. And really, Jack Rose is the main kind of, it's the mecca for all the, the whiskey guys and girls. Um, so when I found out about that, um, 
the joke is I saved money by opening this place because <laughs> I don't go to I don't go to Jack Rose as much anymore. Uh, let's, let's just say I was a regular and a welcome regular. Um, that's really what it when I got into kind of a whiskey bar okay. scene where I could see what a whiskey bar was, the uniqueness of what a whiskey bar is, um, the knowledge they were bringing, kind of the education that uh, the owner Bill really imparts to his staff sure um which was very helpful so that was really the start of my journey into whiskey i started doing tastings at work uh the christmas party kind of of course flights and the you know guess which one is the bourbon guess which one the rye <laughs> that type of thing started getting into that started getting known for that uh my wife, who was actually the Macmillan in Macmillan's, huh. um, she studied in Scotland, so she got an early start on on the Scotch game. Uh, but we're both fans. But yeah, so we started doing flights, doing little tastings here and there, and then oh, it's got to be over five years now. Um, we're walking through Mosaic. It was kind of our neighborhood haunt, probably coming back from a movie. I don't remember. <laughs> and this little corner of corner of mosaic uh this was a complete cold dark shell there was no floor there was nothing it was just completely empty wow and as we're walking to the parking garage i kind of looked and i looked at the space with the windows and kind of the size of it and it was like and knowing that there weren't a lot of whiskey bars in virginia i didn't know why at the time we'll probably get into that later <laughs> i just knew that i couldn't get a good whiskey bar near my house I was like, you know, that'd be a good spot for kind of an english pub whiskey bar that size and everything and well it's like yeah and, and that's normally all I need is if, if there's not a hard no immediately, <laughs> right. I can usually uh, go farther down the road than she can pull me back from. And that was basically it. I, she said, yeah. And we walked in and next time I was here, I see a sign, you know, leasing opportunities, call so-and-so. And I called so-and-so who had never been in the restaurant industry, not since college. You know, I sure. was, I was a. I was a cook at Hooters actually in high school. Well, it's a story for another time. What a transition. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the shorts were something. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I didn't have any restaurant experience, any bar experience. Again, I was an attorney uh, along with my wife downtown. Um, but thought that with the right people, you know, I can certainly hire people to, to run a bar. I mean, I, I've been hiring people for a while. I'm like, you know, if I could steer it, my wife and I could steer it from the customer perspective of the type of bar that people like us in the area would like to go to. And sure. I'm like, if I can create that vision and then hire competent people to do that, um, it may work. So I'm like, well, I'll give it a shot. I had no idea about, you know, how much it would cost, the laws involved, the I knew nothing about the Virginia ABC. Oh. Uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of glad because if I did, I may not have, may not have bothered, um, but I was just like, well, let me just, you know, a phone call won't hurt. And then talking to an architect won't hurt and talking to a contractor. And by the time we finally got to the lease, we had really put together a pretty good plan and figured, you know, it really only has to break even. We're still working downtown. I wasn't planning on running it full time. I'm like, like to, you know, again, I spent plenty of money at Jack Rose. I'm like, all it has to do is break even and we'll win. Yeah. So I'm like, we can do that. We can break. I'm like, come on. We can break <laughs> even in Mosaic in the middle of Mosaic. If a whiskey bar in the middle of Mosaic is losing money, you're, you're doing something wrong. Absolutely. Um, so that was kind of going into it was 
let's hire people to run it. Let's give them the overriding vision of what a whiskey customer um, of a certain type, a certain age, a certain demographic would like. Sure. Make it friendly to the neighborhood and let's break even. And five years later, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> you, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys started right before COVID, right? We were open about nine months. We opened Memorial Day 2019. Okay. And we closed. Technically, we were open St. Patrick's Day 2020. It was right when they, like, the NBA had just shut down. Okay. And and we were open, but empty. We knew. We knew at the time. Sure. And, you know, we were just trying to get our hold of things. And, of course, people, how can you be open, you monsters? And I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, we're all kind of in this together. I don't know what's going on here. And, you know, I'm not coughing on people or anything. Um... Yeah, we were open about nine months. Um, it actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise because those, those were very tumultuous nine months. It's probably any restaurant is, but as I had said, I'd, I wanted to hire people to run it for me. Right. Our management team that we hired uh, did not last long for a variety of reasons. Uh, some unavoidable, some very avoidable. <laughs> um, but the managers that we hired to start within a month were gone. Wow. And so, and I was still practicing law full time as my wife was and still is. So it was kind of panic mode is let's just keep the doors open. We were instantly very popular, which was fantastic. I just wanted to keep the doors open. Um, and so I basically looked at the staff I had and was like, all right, you're the oldest or the most competent or whatever. So you're the manager now and like the cooks. Like, how old are you? 21? Good. You're in charge. Um, <laughs> it's literally what happened. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I'm like, look, let's just keep this place open. Yeah. I, I will I will do my best to guide it in person, but let's just keep it open. And we did, but we were always, you know, barely keeping the head above water for all types of things. Just things that come up. Mm -hmm. um, getting to know the ABC system, getting to know all the rules, getting to know our customers, all that stuff. The questions you didn't even know to ask, um, needing an answer right away. Um, so nine months later, again, it's unfortunate how it happened, but having those two or three months of everyone being closed mm -hmm. um, allowed me to catch my breath, allowed me to kind of reassess everything and start over. Um, so, and financially, it wasn't that big of a hit for us. I felt bad for people who this was their livelihood. Yeah. We have a lot of restaurants in Mosaic where it's a family-run business, and that's how they're paying their rent at home and things like that. It was a very tough time for restaurants. We were fortunate enough that we had our outside income. This was just, it was a hobby at the time. And so financially, we just, you know, we kicked out the rent, and that was fine. Uh, we kept our health insurance for our staff, which was the most important thing. Um, but it, there wasn't a lot of negative for us, you know, a PPP loan and we broke even. Sure. Um, but it was a really good time to reassess everything and, uh, start anew. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, you have a beautiful space here and I, I, I do want to, I want, I do want to dive into because when you step in here, it's a small space, but the grandeur of the amount of bottles of liquor that you have is incredible. So I'm curious about the hurdles of the ABC is like, I've, I know there are a lot of distilleries that have issues giving out samples. They're not classified as bars. How does that work? So for us, there's, there's a lot of things that are going on with the ABC. There's you know the retail side that a lot of the distributors can talk about. 
Um, for people who don't know, we don't have liquor spirit distributors in Virginia. Mm-hmm. We buy through the ABC at the same price as everyone else, the same availability as everyone else. The lottery has changed a little bit in the last six or eight months. There is now a restaurant only lottery every week. So we'll go online and there might be 10 bottles, Blanton's Eagle Rare, the occasional uni- unicorn on there. Yeah. I think Weller's was on, Weller was on there. Three Wellers is Weller's, but three <laughs> bottles of Weller, um, pet peeve of mine, um, were on the list last week. Um, but we don't have secret access to anything or we don't have wholesale pricing. Um, all the rumors you've heard are not true on that. You know, are there restaurants that miraculously have things that have never been on the Virginia list? Yes. We will not have those. Um, you, you know, they can do their thing. I'll do my thing. I will follow the rules. Um, but otherwise, it's we have to buy through the ABC just like everybody else. Um, we can go to different stores like anybody else. Um, but primarily, it's just what our store has at any given time. A lot of the bottles, especially some of our high-end scotches we've had for a while, we were able to find them, some of the, you know, 20, 30, 40 year stuff, sure. Uh, The rest, if you come in and you see something you haven't seen, it's because we just happen to get it at a store or we happen to get it through the lottery and it's been building over time. Um, But that, yeah, that is the Virginia ABC. Um, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, it's, it's a challenge if you look at it from the perspective of comparing us to an unregulated state, like a Jack Rose. Yeah. Even if we were a much larger space, we couldn't compete with, uh, DC restaurants on products because all they have to do is put a stamp on it. They can go down to Kentucky and buy whatever bottle they want. Right. And bring it back. And as long as they pay the tax, they're fine. Right. Um, we can't do that here. So the one exception, we can do private barrels and regular people can do private barrels too, but a lot of people don't want to buy 100, 200 bottles of that. Uh, we have eight private barrels now where we went down and picked at the distillery and it came back bottled uh, with our label on it. So that is one thing we can do to have some uniqueness. Um, and the ABC does allow that. But otherwise, it's just... Until the restaurant lottery changed, I was in line at the store really store 219 on tuesdays <laughs> if i if i felt like it um i you know but i would wait in line like everyone else that's um, wild yeah well um, it's, it's so foreign to me so i'm born and raised wisconsin and wisconsin i'm sure you know has the most bars per capita it's and as they should as they should well they and you go down to your local walmart down the street from my high school and you can buy every bottle that you see on the shelf it's wild um ABC, I think there's like there's one benefit that I've always noticed that MSRP is pretty good. It is. But you go into DC, you get markup by 200%. Right. So that's why I appreciate th- places like this that, you know, hey, I'm glad you didn't get deterred by the ABC law because you didn't know about it yet. Yeah. But I can come here and have a Lafroy 25 without having to spend, what is it now, 2,500 Yeah, it, for it, a it gets crazy. I mean, our most expensive bottle right now, I think, is the McCowan 30. It's a $5,000 bottle. And yeah, I, I try not to mark up as much on that one as I would on a $15 bottle, but we, we try to make it approachable. Um, I personally, so for example, if I get, um, we have had some Van Winkle okay. through the lottery yeah. over the years. So let's use that as an example. Uh, I think it was a $80 bottle thereabouts. So I charged what I would charge for an $80 bottle. Yeah. I thought that was fair. Sure. 
um, a lot of people thought I was crazy. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the extra thousand I could make on this bottle is not worth being the guy who makes an extra thousand on that bottle. Sure. Um, if other people want to look, I'm not, I'm not out loud judging people on what they want to charge and what they want to do. People got to pay their bills. That's fine. But me, I'm like, if I pay 80 bucks for a bottle, I don't care if it's, you know, screwball, which is the one I make fun of all the time. Yeah. Um, people love that stuff. But, you know, peanut, if it's peanut butter whiskey, fine. If it's cinnamon whiskey, fine. If it's Van Winkle, fine. I'm charging the same price. Um, and yeah, it's gone in an hour. Because you know, I'll, I'll, And I'll do that on like a slow day, like on a Tuesday. So, you know, because I'm not, I'm not crazy, but I'm not stupid. Um, but yeah, so that is one of the good things about very good things about the Virginia system is everything is MSRP. Yeah. So we're not paying markups uh, for anything. The flip side is the availability issue, but you know, the, the most vocal people, the most, you know, voracious customers are kind of the bourbon hounds. Yep. Um, but the ma vast majority of customers that we have are, you know, they're either drinking their Jameson or whatever, or they want to try different things. Mm hmm so that's where that's where the money is is having good prices from virginia abc on things like jameson on things like you know four roses stuff like that yeah because that's what that's what that's where we're doing the bulk of our work i was going to ask that's interesting that you still have most of your clientele is just going for the common things that you would find in any bar yeah if you look at our sales um there's kind of two things that surprised me coming from the world of kind of jack rose law firm happy hours that I was in was the cocktail sales are it's it's 50 it's 50 50 between spirits and cocktails well, also okay. beer and wine and food but if you leave those aside yeah our spirit revenue is pretty much 50 50 straight pour and cocktail wow I did not expect that at all no um the whiskey bars I was familiar with had cocktail programs but people are going there for a pour people are going there for a flight um that was really surprising. And the main thing is we hired some amazing bartenders. One, I stick to the classics. I, I, I was at a hard time finding an old fashioned in the area. I got an old fashioned with gin once. Oh, there, there, that, was, that was not a good day. Um, <laughs> a lot of people were focused so much on the craft cocktails and doing the next cool thing that you couldn't get a Manhattan or an old fashioned um, in, in this area, at least that I could find. Sure. Um, so I focused really on the classics and I'm like, this, these are the classic recipes. You use good ingredients and you make it the same way you measure it and you make it the same way every time. Right. We don't need to reinvent the wheel on those. And we sell so many old fashions, classic oh, yeah. old fashioned. But then our house cocktails really became popular because we have really good bartenders who can put those in. And they took that thinking of classic taste, good ingredients and applied it so that they're not trendy or, mm -hmm. you know, they have, oh, we have black tea syrup. I'm like, does it taste good? They're like, I don't know. It's black tea syrup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we try to make sure that they are actually legitimate cocktails. Right, right. Um, so that was one of the big surprises. And the second was, yeah, most people who come in, they'll, they may try something different or they'll do a flight. Yeah. And nowadays, a lot of people try the private barrels because we, we sell those and explain to them they can't get it anywhere else. Mm -hmm. But most people coming in who want to drink stick to what they know. Um, so, and, and how we handle that, um, like, let's say for example, the 
someone comes in and they've been drinking Maker's Mark their whole life. They may not know what a weeded bourbon is, but they know they like a weeded bourbon. Mm -hmm. So they'll come in and they'll drink Maker's Mark and we'll start talking to them. And I'll be like, well, have you ever tried some of the other makers? And you know, oh, I've tried Maker's 46. I'm like, okay, have you tried some of their limited release stuff, mm -hmm. different staves and talk to them about that. And then we'll sell them one of those and they'll really like it. They won't get it every time, but they were like, I like makers and this is a really like high end makers. They'll do that. Or I'll talk to them and I'll be like, oh, you like makers? You know, that's a weeded bourbon, it's a high weed. And they may not know. They may know it may not. They just know they like it. <laughs> and then I can be like, well, you know, there's a distiller in Virginia called Ragged Branch. It makes a really good weeded bourbon. Yeah. You may like that. Yeah. And they'll try that. So yeah, they may eight times out of 10, they'll drink their makers. But it's those other two times that are really cool where we can kind of expand, explain to them if they don't already know what it is about a certain spirit that makes it unique. It's a weeded bourbon. It's a high rye bourbon. It's this, it's a, you know, yeah. a peated scotch, et cetera, et cetera. And then we can use that to have them try something else. Um, and people really like that. Um, but at the end of the day, they're still drinking makers. Eight out of 10 times, <laughs> right. Which is fine. Which is totally fine. Um, but that, it is cool seeing that, seeing, you know, people come in and drink Jameson and I'm like, well, we got some interesting Irish stuff, kind of newer craft stuff. And they'll try that and like it or not. But so they'll try different things. But it's uh, it's it is definitely people drinking the, you know, the four horsemen type of. Oh, sure. Just now a popular drink, which stuns me. Yeah, I, I've anyway had it once in college. <laughs> but what? Is there, is there a part of you, I mean, you're enthusiastic about this, you know, teaching people. It sounds like, is that, is that kind of part of why you started to get into this? You wanted to share what you knew, what you liked with people who are the uninitiated? Well, first I wanted to learn more. Sure. Um, I, you know, getting into it, it's very similar to wine. It is very wide range. I, th I think a lot of people who come in don't understand that there's such a range. Oh yeah. They, they are aware, um, of kind of that wine connoisseur type where you try different things. They're a lot of times they're not aware that it is just like that on the whiskey side, other spirits too. And I think especially the range of, of whiskeys. And I do enjoy my favorite thing to do here is to pair food and drink. Okay. Yeah. Um, We've done a lot of dinners in the past and with our new location, we'll be able to do more because it's bigger. Um, a lot of pairing dinners mm. and half of them were wine. The other half were spirits or cocktails. Um, and I, that's probably my favorite one thing to do is to put together a really cool four course, five course meal and pair spirits to the food and to show people you can do that just like you can with wine. Right. Um, you know, the spiciness of a rye pairs differently than the sweetness of a bourbon. Scotch can pair with things much different than a Canadian whiskey. Right. Um, but it is this very much the same as pairing wine with food and seeing people understand that for the first time. Like my wife and I, when we were getting ready to open, we were doing all these different pairings and we both say the greatest pairing we ever had we took a Lagavulin 16, very smoky, hearty scotch, and we tried it with a Rochefort cheese. It's the stinkiest, yeah. nastiest cheese. 
it made both so much better when we paired it. It was unbelievable. It was, we both looked at each other. It was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> um, and we do that now when we're explaining to people about pairing whiskey and cheese. Like, look, take this two, two of the most distinct things in the world, a Lagavulin and a Rochefort cheese, try them together. And the blending of it is just unbelievable. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really eye-opening um, when we did that. That's my favorite part is, is doing the pairing. But education is a big part of it, too. People now trust us mm. with our recommendations. We don't BS people. Um, we don't be like, oh, you'll love that with a $200 scotch. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, one of another, I have a lot of pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is people coming in and ordering uh, like an old fashioned with an expensive bourbon. And yeah, I don't want to second guess people, drink whatever you want. But sometimes I'll ask them, I go, have you ever had it in old fashioned? They're like, you know, no, but I like Blanton's. And I was like, just because a bourbon is good on its own doesn't make it good for a cocktail. No. And just because a bourbon is not something you want to sip doesn't mean it's not excellent in a cocktail. They're, apples and oranges are two different things. We use 100 proof Evan Williams bourbon as our rail and 100 proof rye specifically so they hold up in cocktails and they do very well. Right. You want to drink Evan Williams or neat, fine. I, I might have some suggestions to go in a different direction, but do whatever you want. Um, but I've yet to find a better one in a cocktail. Sure. Because it holds up really well, especially in old fashioned. So, yeah, I like to explain to people, I'm like, you know, I'll sell you a $30 old fashioned. I'll sell you $130 old fashions. I think you'll enjoy the $12 one with our rail better. Um, that's another yeah so people trust us now yeah and they know we're not trying to gouge them and we'll just be like you know like, like i said with the maker's mark we can take you through a weeded bourbon tour a lot of people on the scotch side come in and they think all scotch is peated right because you know it's always that first bottle you stole from your parents liquor cabinet if it happened to be lafroy you're scarred for life <laughs> Um, mine was Johnny Walker Black. No. Um, but yeah, if you've only had Lafroy and you're like, I can't drink scotch. I'm like, that's like having a pink Zinfandel or something and saying you don't like wine. Right. You don't like that wine. Um, but a lot of people on the scotch side get a little cringy when they think of scotch because they've had that experience. Yep. Yep. Showing them something can be light and sweet and floral and still be a scotch, still be a single malt. Yep. Um, is something that's really cool. So we like that. Yeah, my I'm a scotch guy too. I mean, gun to my head, I pick a scotch every day of the week. Um, and I love peated scotch. The peatier the better. I love peat monster, I love Octomore, all <laughs> brooklotic stuff. It's great. Uh, to an offensive point. But my friends and family who I've introduced to a lot of whiskey, I found that introducing them to an American single malt, which is essentially a scotch copy, is a good intro to show them that this is what the American version of scotch is mm -hmm. with 100 barley. Scotch is Scotland's doing the same thing. It's just aged longer and costs more money. Yeah. It's a good intro for them. But yeah, that's the old fashioned for me that I'm a, I don't know if you, I have to ask you now too. Have you ever had a Wisconsin old fashioned, a brandy old fashioned sweet? I mean, I've had a brandy old fashioned. Yeah. Uh, I, I am a big brandy drinker. I, I will occasionally drink a Grand Marnier old fashioned. So I've had a brandy old fashioned. I had not heard it referred to as it was, is there cheese involved or? <laughs> curds a, of yeah, any it, type it is that the well garnish it. <laughs> if this has got a like a curd garnish i can see it being a wisconsin but um <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a big brandy fan so yes i've had many brandy old fashions and yeah. we have a triple thread old fashioned here um which is whiskey rum and bourbon or whiskey rum and brandy oh. as the spirit 
So a third of each. That's cool. Yeah. So it gives a little, it's a dark rum. It's the Bacardi Quattro. So it's got a little molasses on it. And then you have the brandy, yeah. uh, the Hennessy. Yeah. So you get the sweetness of it. That's cool. One, and so it's really complex. It's really nice. Um, a little sweeter than the standard old fashioned, but just the complexities people really like. We've had that on our menu since the day we opened. Um, and it's one of our biggest sellers. It's one of the things we're known for. Yeah. So the Wisconsin old fashioned, I don't, like brandy old fashioned in a classic old fashioned style. That doesn't exist in Wisconsin. You can get it. <laughs> but with Wisconsin old fashioned, it's uh, Corbell brandy. Okay. Like Wisconsin actually accounts for a third of Corbell's sales out of California. All right. Uh, uh, a maraschino cherry. Of course. An orange muddled with a sugar cube. And then the brandy and the bitters mm -hmm. and a little bit of cherry juice and uh, uh, seven up for a brandy old fashioned sweet squirt for a brandy old fashioned sour. <laughs> And it's classy. It's a classic, a classy cocktail. Right there. <laughs> Everyone outside of Wisconsin t turns their nose up and says, "Why? Wow, why are you not using a Luxardo cherry? What are you?" In? But anyway, <laughs> here's my Wisconsin history. I would like it. I think I'd like it. I, oh, I love it. I usually don't add soda, um, but I can see why they do. Yep. I'd go with a sour. I'm a sour guy. Um, I think I'd like that drink. I, I can, <laughs> I can see myself ordering that. What's your go-to cocktail? Penicillin. I love it. Penicillin. I love it. Um, I am not a big peated scotch fan. Okay. I'll, I'll drink a good peated scotch. Yeah. And I like Talisker, so a light. And the McMillans are from Campbelltown, so any Springbank, um, any Glen Scotia, it's going to have some peat on it, and we really like it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not a big ashtray fan. Like the <laughs> like Lafroy 10, it's just not my thing. Sure. Um, but the penicillin's really nice. I love honey. I love ginger. I love lemon. I love scotch. Um I can't remember the first time I had one, but it was just, oh, this is my cocktail now, obviously. Yep. yep. Um, so I, I, I bounce around a lot. Um, I'm not a big egg white person, which is funny because um, I require our, our whiskey sour, is, our traditional whiskey sour is the Boston sour with the egg white. Oh. We don't call it a Boston sour. We call it a whiskey sour, but it always comes with egg white unless you don't want it. Right. And we have several other egg white drinks. People love the egg white drinks. I am not personally a fan of that. So I stay away from those. I have a few cocktails on the menu that I created. So one of them is, I call it the Sunrise in Veracruz. I'm really good with titles. <laughs> and then Veracruz looks out east over the water. So I had to call it a Sunrise in Veracruz. Um, it's essentially a spicy blood orange margarita. Ooh. I drink that a lot. Um, that's. It's our biggest selling non-whiskey cocktail, which okay. makes our bartenders furious because <laughs> I came up with it. Um, they get mad. They could do all these crazy things and I, I'll whip something up and crush them. And our, for, we're doing our fall cocktails now and I, I took a break because I keep winning the, <laughs> the cocktail contests. But for the winter, they already know I'm bringing out my espresso old fashioned. Yeah. And they know it's going to win. <laughs> they, they know it's just going to destroy people. So I let them have fall in the, you know, with their weird apple brandy black negroni things oh yeah but um yeah P pumpkin spice flavored <laughs> I, I banned those last year and then i got yelled at for banning them you know the, the swifties got mad at me or whatever it was <laughs> um they did not come up with a pumpkin one this year so maybe maybe a little later um we have we've already had people ask I'm sure. Last weekend, we had Fall Fest here at Mosaic. It was, we were slammed. Yeah. Uh, 
and we do we you can do carry out cocktails in mosaic now you can walk around yeah op, open carry um liquor open carry liquor um and we had a few people ask if we had any type of pumpkin spice thing i was like no we do not <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, mosaic district here is is it's kind of a gem that I, we we got we happened on when we moved to virginia uh and just happened to live down down the street and we found this place and it's like oh this is really neat little you know entertainment district mm -hmm. tell me about the community here how much of an impact it's had i mean this has always been busy whenever we walk in yeah. i mean reservations are a blessing nowadays but <laughs> yeah um well that was one of the big draws for us uh, my wife lives in Falls Church for 20 years, so okay. she's been here since. Anyone who's been around this area prior to Mosaic knows about the old movie theater and the sticky floors and the, you know, police presence and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, when I moved to Falls Church, um, the Target was about to open. Oh. Um, so the complex hadn't been completed yet, but we saw what was coming. Sure. Um, and it really became our neighborhood, especially the movie theater. We love the movie theater. So being here in kind of a big multi-use neighborhood is important to us. There's, you know, over a thousand apartments right here. You have a built-in base. Um, but there, there were some bars here, but room, room for more. There's always room for more bars. <laughs> um, so we thought, you know... B-Side had the beer thing going on. Caboose hadn't opened yet. The, the restaurants had bars. But we thought, you know, we could be the kind of the whiskey spirit bar for the neighborhood. So being in Mosaic was really important to us. You know, as good as a concept is, you know, if you're in a strip mall somewhere, it's, you know, you're, you're not going to get the type of traffic you get here. Now you pay more for rent here, but it's worth it. It's yeah. definitely worth it. Um, for all the people who want to open a restaurant someday, rent should be about 10% of your revenue. So don't go cheap. The one piece of advice I'd tell people is get a place bigger than you're thinking you need. Not too big, but bigger. We we are challenged here with <laughs> our lack of store. The, the amount of food that our chef puts out is stunning stunning to me yeah uh in that little kitchen back there um you talked about the bottles and the shelves i mean they serve a purpose that is our storage we don't have a storage room you know if we run out of something it's because it's not on the shelf right there's nothing in the back you know the the, if, the in the back guy there's never anything in the back um we have no storage space here at all um again my the place i'm building now much much bigger um <laughs> But this was a space that was available. It was a good first location. Yeah. Uh, when we didn't know what we wanted to do, that we weren't looking for it to be kind of our main thing. It was just kind of a hobby. It's a really good space for that. I like how it's small. I wouldn't want a big cavernous space. Um, it wouldn't really work for that. Sure. We wanted to expand next door. Uh, we weren't going to knock any walls down. We were just going to have a lounge dining room over there. Yeah. Um, but they decided to put in a sunglass hut. Good, good call there, landlords. Yeah, I'm not bitter about that at all. I mean, honestly, I will give them credit. They've been open about a year, and I think last week I actually saw someone buy a pair of sunglasses. Okay. So, you know, kudos to them. Not the price of Ray-Bans nowadays. They're probably breaking anything. Probably. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, because you can't get sunglasses anywhere else in today's world. You right. have to go to a brick and mortar sunglass hut. Not that I'm bitter or anything <laughs> about that. Um, yeah. So, well, we we take we take a lot of pride in in our role as kind of a neighborhood bar here. Yeah. It is a transient community. It's apartments. So we've had people be our best customer for a year and then they move on. Uh, we've had some people who stay there, stay here quite some time. But we do, you know, a lot of people just say they're going downstairs and that, <laughs> that means they're coming here. Um, Where we, we take that role very seriously. They're the reasons we're doing so well. Yeah. Yes, you get people coming and going and we still have people who've never heard of us four or five years later. Um, but it's it's the neighborhood that keeps us busy day in and day out. Um, so when I'm thinking of prices, when I'm thinking of products, when I'm thinking of hours, when I'm thinking of anything, it's really what do the people in Mosaic want? Um, that's the most important. That's that's awesome. And, I, and, that, and that's why I was excited to talk to you about this, because I know you're a small, you know, mom pop shop that doesn't you're not you're not a big corporate player. And I'm excited to hear more about this new uh, uh, location. Is it in addition to this or is it the brand new vision of where everything's going to be? It's in addition. Okay. Um, we've got several years left on this lease um, and, you know, we're doing well. It's a, the new locations in Old Town North Alexandria. So about six blocks north of King Street. Um, if people know that area, uh, the other sister's tie is there. So, and the other West Elm and the other Shade Store. It's a very similar demographic. It's across from the Hank's Oyster Bar, too. There's a nice little restaurant row in this area of North Old Town Alexandria. Um, pretty much everything except the cocktail bar. Yeah. Um, so we're really excited about the location. Uh, the concept is very similar. It's just larger. It's called the McMillan Spirit House. So oh. this is the whiskey room. That's the spirit house. And it is going to be what this place kind of has become. You know, we opened as a whiskey room, but we have 70 tequilas on the shelf now. <laughs> we have, you know, 40 or 50 gins at any one time. Um, it's just, you know, since it was my one place and we saw so many people come in that weren't, you know, a group of four come in, there might be two whiskey drinkers. There might be two people who just want wine. So right. if they have a good wine program, different cocktails, different spirits. So the whiskey room has kind of morphed into a much larger uh, selection. The new place, we're just going to start at that point where we're focused on all spirits, uh, a similar cocktail program, a more extensive wine program, and a larger and hopefully more sophisticated but still accessible food menu. Um, it is three times as big as the whiskey room on the inside. And we have a covered, heated, and cooled patio that is bigger than the whiskey room. It's 1,400 <laughs> square feet which is bigger than the actual whiskey room front and back. That's awesome. Um, so much larger. We're going to have uh, a pro two private rooms, actually, um, where we can do smaller events. One of the issues we have here, and one of the reasons we don't do as many dinners anymore, is because we've been fortunate enough to be crowded during the week. Right. If we shut down for a dinner, we actually lose money. Oh, man. Because... I can't charge a crazy ticket price. I don't want to charge a crazy ticket price for a for a wine dinner or a spirit dinner. Um, but you lose money because you don't have people coming in and out. So at this point, uh, we're hesitant to do it. 
Um, there we can do a 20 person dinner in the back dining room and no one else will know. Right. Uh, we have a small little 12 person room, uh, kind of sneak behind one of those secret doors. <laughs> I'm not a big speakeasy guy. Yeah, I was gonna say. If, 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 <clears throat> if you need to give someone a code to get in your place, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're supposed to want people there. It's, it's, it doesn't work. Don't do it. <laughs> um, but there will be a cool door, a uh, little, little bookcase door to get in the back for the private room. Uh, the bar will be twice as big um, and separate as well. So we'll be able to do a bunch of different events there. And yeah, it'll be instead of 500 whiskeys and 200 other spirits is basically what we have here at the whiskey room. Um, it's going to be more evenly spread out. Okay. Um, and it's going to be for the whiskey side, um, it's going to be kind of the top and the bottom. Um, the things that sell here, yeah. like we talked about earlier, the, the rails and the ones that people know, the Woodford, the Basil Haydens, those sell a ton. And then if I get something crazy, it sells. The stuff in the middle, you know, looking up at the shelf now, uh, Calumet Farm. Yeah. It's, it's in the middle. It's in the middle in the price point. Bourbon people know it, but not everyone knows it. Um, it's really good and it sells okay. Um, but those are the things that shit on the shelf a little longer. That mid range, same with the scotches. You know, some of the some of the sixteen, eighteen year stuff. You know, people will get the regular stuff, and then they'll splurge and get the high end stuff. The middle stuff stays here a while, so we'll probably at the new place have the crowd pleasers, and then the ones that, like you said, the little Freud twenty five types, where you want to go in and, and splurge a little bit. Right, right. Um, and that's going to be the main. Uh, part of the collection okay um because that's like i said i found here that you, you you sell a lot of the you know entry level stuff yeah and we i always want to have the high-end stuff because yeah you want to you're celebrating an anniversary or a promotion or retirement or something you break out mccallan 25 lafroy 25 we want to be able to do that and give people a chance to have an ounce of it yeah you've been drinking lafroy 10 your whole life you're about <laughs> to retire you know, we had a Ian Hunter 30 year sherry cast. It was one of the best LaFroigs I've ever had. And I think half of it went to like retirees <laughs> who've heard about it from their friends retiring and just killed the bottle because sure. they've never had anything like that. Yeah, you don't have to go spend 2000 bucks on a bottle. No. And you might not even like it. You know, there are, there's a couple in our locker over there the, that's essentially our top shelf that I'm not a big fan of. Sure. Um, and I'd be upset if I spent a thousand bucks on a bottle thinking, Ooh, a Dalwini 30 year. I actually don't like the Dalwini 30 year. Um, and I love Dalwini. Um, I'd be upset. I'd be like, oh, come on, <laughs> man, come, really? So yeah, we, that is always a cool part of it. So at the new location, we'll definitely have, you know, that we'll have the unicorns we can get in the lottery. Sure. Um, and I think that will check most people's boxes and then i think the whiskey room we might thin the tequila and non-whiskey spirits here make it more just because we have like I, said, I have no room the shelves are full yeah and so just you know we'll we'll still have you know 30 tequilas instead of 70. Okay. i think that's enough yeah I, you know we'll have the class of Azules and we'll have the cool you know kind of the espalon and all that stuff and obviously the patron and the casamigos but some of the middle ones that people have never heard of right you know we can we can dial it back a little bit <laughs> well no I, I love that idea especially because you're gonna have both locations you can kind of more specify this as the whiskey room yeah um what's the eta on that opening uh 
probably looking at January now. We're waiting for final permits. We have the contractor ready to go. We have construction ready to go. Cool. We just need to uh, get those final permits. Um, City of Alexandria seems pretty reasonable to work with. Um, I don't think it'll be much longer. Yeah. And construction, there are some things that are still slowed in the supply chain, um, but not like it was like a year or two ago. No kidding. So, you know, properly motivated. I'm pretty good at properly motivating people. Um, I think a 12 to 14 week construction will work. Um, I build the bar and the shelves, so okay. I'll do that. Yeah. All the free time I have. <laughs> um, and some of the trim work and stuff. So they just got to get in there and put the hoods up. And, you know, that location had a lot of infrastructure in it already, as opposed to this one where, like I said, it was just dirt on the floor, no plumbing, no electricity in this location at all. Right. And we got this place done in about 14 weeks. It's smaller, okay. but we had to build every, we had to lay concrete and put in plumbing and do all that stuff. Whereas this, this new location, a lot of the infrastructure is already there. Cool. So I'm hoping we can make good time and I mean, I'd love to be open by the Scottish walk, but that's December and I don't think we'll be ready by then. So, <laughs> um, we'll see, but yeah, I'm hoping January, um, and we'll, uh, you know, keep everyone informed on that one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I frequent uh, old town when I'm, when I'm in the mood for a, an expensive 219 cigar cocktail combination yeah we're far enough off of king street that it's not it's it is more of a neighborhood locals instead sure. of the tourists but we're close enough to king street it's only six blocks you can you walk that quick uber quick <clears throat> walk yep. stumble whatever you want to do so <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of a nice is that it's not right on king street so it's not touristy it's not that it and we don't have the historic buildings or anything like that yeah yes yeah. but so it's 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 like the, a suburb of old town which seems to be a really cool neighborhood so we're excited awesome awesome well i appreciate your kinship and whiskey and your love for whiskey and what you do here it's been awesome and i will hit you up when i buy a house to build me one of these amazing shelves in my, in my private They're just room. bookcases <laughs> it's all about the trim you build a bookcase out of easy wood and then you trim it out nice that's the secret <laughs> well i mean the, the rail with the library ladder is perfect it's just a it's a great aesthetic. a necessity yes. for those tall shelves yes we will have a few <laughs> ladders in the new location um out of necessity uh yes the ladders i tell people uh you cannot ride the ladder like <laughs> bell um it doesn't work that way there are brakes on it when you step on it um and uh, you know there's insurance reasons so Please stop asking to ride the ladder by two flights. You get a free <laughs> ride on the ladder. That is not the rule. That is not the rule at all. No yeah. one's been hurt. Four and a <laughs> half years knocking on wood, but I've seen some customers do some interesting things. So. Well, of course, that's what see it from afar. Comes with the trade of the bar, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Derek, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll definitely be back. Good. I'm a, I'm a customer. Good. Glad to hear it. So cheers, man. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate it if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The more reviews, the easier we are to find. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow us on social media so you never miss any of our updates. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and always be sure to drink responsibly. 
there are quite literally thousands of distilleries, so we're just getting started. Stay tuned for more conversations with master distillers, distillery owners, mixologists, and even bar owners, and more. Cheers. Cheers.